You're listening to a Mash Those Buttons production. Visit us at mashthosebuttons.com. Right. Hey there, welcome to episode 135 of Push the Point, Push the Point, excuse me, presented by Mash Those Buttons, your source for Overwatch League news, player updates, storylines, and more for Overwatch League Season 5. I'm your host, Ramses. Follow us on Twitter at PushPointsPOD, at Ramses underscore OW, at Labosco. Speaking of which, I'm here with Labosco for the 100 and probably, what, 33rd episode? Us both of being on the show at the same time, I would think, right? Yeah, I think you've only missed a couple of of shows for for vacations. It was, it's like maybe at the most, it's four, right? We've done this a hundred and thirty something times, and four of them, three of them, two of them, you haven't been here. I've been here for every single one. <laughs> I thought I wasn't going to be here for one, but then you know, extenuating turned out I wasn't going to be here either. So yeah, I mean, so, it so it worked out. It worked out in my favor. Uh, yeah, you know, sometimes it happens to keep your streak alive. Um, <laughs> you know, we we talked about the Cal. I I got the Cal Ripken treatment uh, as we talked about last time. But no, uh, some good Overwatch this week. There was a, a decent amount of three twos this week. Actually, there was like a lot of them. Mm-hmm. And this week was kind of wild. Um, I think we're sort of seeing the the meta settle down as part of it. So I'm really excited to talk about this week's set of games. <laughs> Me too, me too. Some news that we didn't get to cover last week. It broke literally, I think, within like 12 hours of us recording the show. A um, couple pieces here. Um, an announcement from the NYXL that Gesture, a former main tank for Soul Dynasty, London Spitfire, uh, is joining a team in a coaching capacity. Uh, more player coaches. I think this is something that isn't necessarily surprising if you looked kind of where the trends are for, I guess, former players who are going in. Um, yeah. MYXL should be an interesting fit, coach-wise. I know Yaki, st- not Yaki, um, Kuki still runs a pretty, from what I remember, they don't have that huge of a coaching staff. It's just, I think, him and maybe, like, one other guy. So, cool. Good to see him back in the, in the fold some way, somehow. It's just nice to see players who are, like, the personalities and people who who really stood out in the league, like, still involved in some way, right? Like, it's better than, like, you know, not seeing them ever again, like somehow involved in the league, right? Like mm-hmm. players important to your history, guys like that you want to see sticking around in some way, shape, or form. And to see Gesture still involved, I think is really nice. Um, I really hope he ends up being a good coach too. Um, I'm really curious to see how it goes. I'm, I'm all for for players becoming coaches, but I also think there is something too to. There, there is a learning curve of sorts as well. So uh, it, it's really about how quickly can you get into the mindset of being a coach? Because I remember when I first stopped playing and then started coaching, sometimes it can be harder to get into that mindset. And then sometimes it can be easier because mm-hmm. I've, I've done that multiple times where I was coaching and then I went back to playing and then I went back to coaching. Like I, I, I've experienced um, not being ready to stop go or to start uh doing something else and not playing and then i've experienced the okay i'm ready to be a coach as well so we'll see i mean it's definitely it, it new york's an interesting fit just because i think gesture somebody who i really wonder what kind of that coaching style play, moves over from his playing like from the way he plays we never really will know just because we're not in the room with them but for a lot of those players, for a lot of like former player coaches, it's kind of easy to make inferences based on what their style of coaching might be based on like what their personality was, maybe like as a player or kind of what position or what their style of playing was like. But gesture, I think, is somebody who ended with such a I don't know if I was a singular style, but ended with such, I think, a ended his career in such a way where I'm wondering, I just don't necessarily have any specific inferences what he might coach like. Well, let me give you some inferences that I'm making, just kind of thinking about things that made gestures stand out and led to some of the biggest performances and most important things that gesture did in his career. One, he plays tank. So Chank's usually the communicator for looking at overwatch one, right? Uh, one of the main shot callers of where, what target you're going on to, things like that, right? I'm um, not keeping track of ultimates, but like still important of knowing 
having the right um, understanding of of target priority and things like that. So that that's one thing to think about with anybody who's a tank becoming a coach, um, especially if they're a good tank like Gesture was. Um, like Hall of Fame candidate, obviously, would be Gesture if we ever have a Hall of Fame, that sort of a thing. The other thing to think about is one of the things that he was best at and something that he did extremely well was uh, combining different elements of what his heroes were with elements of what other heroes were doing. Like you think about um, think about him doing halts into dragon strikes and stuff like that, right? Like Mm -hmm. one of the things that led to London Spitfire originally winning their first championship, right? So, like, he was very good at coordinating things like that. So, you have to have a good mind to understand when to use those abilities and when to make the call to do that. So, I think that he he has the right mindset from what I'm thinking of, of seeing in his career that he, he could be one of those guys that are good if we're inferring from that. That's just, for me personally, what I can see. Um, that doesn't mean it's going to, that doesn't mean it's going to translate well because Sometimes, sometimes when you're so good at knowing when those instances are happening, you can't explain it, right? But you just Mm -hmm. know, you know, so it's more of an instinct thing than like an on paper thing. It can be. We we don't know, though, right? Like, we don't know how it really is for gesture. If it is something that he just instinctually always seemed to know when when was the right time or if it was something he did a lot of work in order to know, Okay, these are how and when I want to use my halts. So depending on which side of that he is. Uh, he could definitely end up being a really good coach or he might have a little bit of struggles in the beginning. Um, some more news that came out right after our last show. Um, there were some rumors we had discussed, I think, possibly on here about Boston Uprising releasing a couple of players. Um, and pretty much happened as soon as we finished recording. Of course, um, they put out a statement that they had released Marvell. Um, that let me find the exact tweet from here. But um, they pretty much made made a statement saying like there's a statement could... from Huck too. I yeah. think is worth pointing out. So it was a statement that they said was uh, you know from the the head from Huck himself um, talking about both of these individual players. Yeah, I'm um, um, saying that like he's been re- like it was really great to have him during a short stint with the team. Um, during the last year, he had been reflecting and dealing with personal issues. Together, we'd worked on trying to alleviate some of these issues, but came to the unfortunate conclusion, mutual mutual conclusion, excuse me, that returning home to South Korea where he can focus on his own personal growth would be the healthiest option for his well-being. He's acted like an exemplary professional throughout his time with the uprising and his process and this process, and we wish him success in whatever he chooses to, pr- to pursue next. So bummer, but very, like, very nice, um, very sweet message, I think. Yeah, seems like somebody they really like. It does genuinely seem like somebody they really enjoyed having on the team. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't get to see too much of him. I think like we saw him, we saw him across a couple of maps, but I think they've mainly been playing punk across most of their stuff. Um, what people yeah. kind of were going about with what got people going with this is that they were comparing this that statement to the statement that uh, Huck put out for Striker. Um, upon his release. Um, effective today, the Boston Uprising and Striker have mutually agreed to part ways. We are grateful for what Striker has brought to the Boston Uprising in his two separate stints with our organization, but have concluded that we are we are as a team is not the right fit for Striker at this point. Striker is a talented player. We wish him the best moving forward. I, I, um, I don't have as much of a problem as other people do because this just sounds like um like a difference of an opinion thing, right? Like like the team couldn't be on the same page as Striker, right? Like it happens, you know. Um why why um why have a a uh, uh um i almost said flat but it's not flat why have a dallas fuel and um god why am i blanking on names right now uh currently on the justice decay decay thank you my brain wasn't working why have why have a decay dallas situation right when everybody knows that you you know, you guys aren't working well together right now. It would be better just to separate to go separate ways for both the team and the player, right? Like, mm-hmm. why why make this situation work? Like, I, I appreciate the fact that they they are being pretty honest with us about it too, and saying, "Hey, you know this this ended up not being a fit." Um, but you know, we still know that he's an extremely talented player, and we wish the best for him. Like, 
that is the best way to go about doing this. Like, I think Boston has gotten so much better at doing this. Like, we have given Boston so much uh, crap over the years for how they've handled, like, releasing players and stuff before, where I think this is actually one of the, the best ways we've seen them go about it, especially when it's a player where there's you know, not contention, but not an agreement of, like, how things should be going. Yeah, I, like... I'm with you there where like I think that the main comparison is just the amount is just the length of the two statements, but they're different like you don't need to necessarily go on an entire like as big paragraph about like it wasn't a good fit. Like what are yeah. you gonna say? Like he wanted different things, we wanted different things. He like I understand. Um Huck can be, I guess, blunt not blunt, but Huck Huck can be kind of curt in a way that sometimes where it kind of gives the impression that like there is some sort of bad blood or some sort of like irritation there. And, and I that's, think people yeah. People read into it more than it probably actually is. They they definitely do. As somebody who's actually gotten to talk to Huck about Overwatch, he he is a guy who one cares very, very much. And two, um there is never like I think it's just the way uh, not not the way, but like how he sounds. You know what I mean? Like like, like people just assume just by his tonality that 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 he's being a certain way when that's just how he talks. You know, mm-hmm. um, that that's at least what I've gotten from. So I, I I don't I don't necessarily believe that from from my interactions with him, uh, and, and from what I've seen of how he treats people, because um, he treats people extremely well. I I can attest to that as somebody who didn't even know him and he you know we were at, he paid for dinner for everybody at the dinner i went to and like he was just one of the nicest people that i've met in the community so that that's you know obviously i have some bias i guess because he did treat me well but still i think that's worth pointing out that like maybe huck isn't the the super villain that you that some people make him out to be you know not 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 that there's like anybody big who makes him out to be that but like people in the community who maybe don't know better um seem to do that so i i'm okay with how this went personally um i think it was handled very well also we didn't it's not like we actually heard physically from hot right like it was just a written statement so i think this worked out pretty well um i think this is much better than than how teams have some teams have done it in the past um and i feel like if your team striker available sounds fantastic like if you think you have the right atmosphere to make it work with him because we're you know i think one thing that we're kind of learning here is that uh you know it's coming out a little bit more and more that like striker's not the easiest guy to work with right Mm -hmm. he's like you know not not like maybe in the sense that decay is from what we've heard about decay but decay has found a situation that seems to be working for him so i i think it's on a different um you know, it, I, I think it might be a little bit easier to make it work with striker protect that potentially. So I'm really curious to see if who and who he gets picked up by, because I feel like he's too much of a talent to just be sitting there. Yeah, who knows? I know like. Teams, I I could see the argument for us for a lot of teams want to just kind of stick with the roster they have at this point and maybe not spend any more of the budget, but. With a guy out there who is that good, who is like a greatest of all time, like easy candidate, it's definitely very much worth the look. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Like, how could you not? Right. Like, maybe the best player in Overwatch 1's history. Um, You have to at least take a look. Uh, it's funny because you, you tweeted or we were DMing about it when it happened and you were like, like, what what's the cost, though, of making that happen? And I'm like, yeah, I was thinking about it, I'm like. I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be as high as you think was kind of my initial thought, right? If he's being a little bit difficult, if he's already not staying on a team like that drops your value down in some ways. Um, I think it might be a little bit less money than you think to get him. Um, it might, might not be as expensive as you think. Yeah. Who knows? We like again, if, if only we had access to contract information, like most of the sports do, if only we knew if these guys had agents or not, too. Like, we don't even know if, like, 90% of these guys have agents, you know? Like, that's another thing as well. Like, who knows how many of them have representation, how many of them don't. Um, you know, we've talked multiple times on this podcast about how, like, players have gotten raked over the coals as far as their contract stuff, um, as far as, like, how contracts are structured and things uh, from, like, a league perspective over the years. 
So, <laughs> yeah, it, it does get a little bit difficult. But, like, I think this is also, like, is a good display of, like, why teams are okay letting go somebody like Stryker because you don't have the full guaranteed money anymore and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So, um, some more some news to cover as well. Um, there was an announcer that went out uh, two or so days ago, I think on Friday, um, that uh, Overwatch that um, a major community leader for um, for Contenders Path to Pro, even I think like the main person in charge, uh, Dan McHugh, unfortunately passed away. Um, you started seeing some rumblings of it. Um, I think late Friday af- or late Friday afternoon, kind of going into the evening. Um, there was an official statement from the Path to Pro account um, in the evening. Um, Dan is somebody who it's was from what I can gather, at least was the main leader for Path to Pro and for contenders for a while now. Um, somebody who you can tell just from people's discussions about it or from people's ta- like, people talking about what the relationship with him meant to them, that somebody who cared so much about contenders, somebody who, from what we're being told also, um, did a lot with very little. Um, I think that was kind of a running thread I saw in a lot of different places where he contenders we've talked about before does not get as much resources as it probably would need to succeed. And he's somebody who I, a lot of people are very, very upset about his passing. Yeah. It, somebody who cared about tier two, right? Like somebody who was trying to push tier two in the way that it needed to be. Um, it, It's a very sad loss, right? Like it, it, it seems like it was very sudden too. like, you don't really know what happened either. So mm-hmm. it, it just anytime, anything, anytime, anything like that happens, it, it kind of just makes it harder to, right? So it's, it's always like super tough when when somebody who's like trying to push things forward, we lose them. But regardless of that, like just losing a person who was an incredible guy, right? Mm-hmm. Like losing people like that, it just sucks. It it really really sucks that that uh, man, you, the the constant reminder that that like life is short, life is precious, and somebody who. I think even for as much as people have been frustrated with contenders for years, um, for as frustrated as people have been with just the, the blizzard's handling of that situation, he's been consistently put up as somebody who poured like everything he could into this. You had, um, I know Kayla Glover put underneath it like that. This is some like he's somebody who cared about everybody and worked hard to keep contenders going with very little. Um, and that somebody who is really a personally like emotionally invested in tier two players being able to make it into that next level of play. Um, one of those people who like, I think about a lot, like with different work situations, somebody who elevates that position or somebody who elevates the people around him in that way. Um, it's a huge loss, I think for not just the contenders community, but I think just overwatch as a whole, one of those like f- one of those super strong uh, what's the word for it like tentpole people that like are such anchors for the community it's a huge loss well it's like how do you replace somebody like that too right Mm -hmm. like you can never truly replace someone like that it's just impossible right like the type of character the person the the dedication like you're never going to find another person who could fully fill his shoes and it sucks to say, but it's true. It's just it, it's just a truth, right? So it it's beyond sad. Taken too young, right? Like, regardless of the Overwatch stuff, like just losing a person who who was so young and had so much more left to give, I, it always hurt. That part always hurts me more than whatever they meant to anything. You know what I mean? Like the the fact that they couldn't just be who they were and 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 make their impact on life in a more significant way because it was taken away from them too soon. Mm-hmm. Um, another bit of unfortunate news as well. Um, you bought the Overwatch streamer Joomla. Uh, we got news that he passed away as well earlier this week, actually. Um, you started seeing it from a couple of other people that were, clo- that were close to as well in the community, um, posting updates about it. Um, but yeah, um, somebody who I think has been a long time Overwatch streamer and content creator as well. Um, yeah. 
and this is a huge this was super rough to see as well a lot of people were a lot of people have been very deeply affected uh somebody who juma is somebody who had a lot of personal connections with the people in the community this isn't somebody who just streamed the game and then turned stuff off and hung out in his own corner it's somebody who's deep who also was like deeply embedded in this game's community so yeah i mean not only that was like somebody who was very forefront about speaking again uh, out about different um issues going on in the community as well was like a pillar in that way too um mm. Anytime that I ever interacted with Joomla, it was always really, 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 like, really good, like, really nice, like, always, like, talking about important or good things or anything like that. It was mostly through Twitter, but still, it was just, like, it was one of those people who, like, you always would see tweets from them about, like, whatever sort of big thing was, and they always had, like, this, in, like, intelligent, well-thought-out um, uh, response to to whatever was going on. So it it really sucks to have lost somebody like like we lose two different sorts of important people in the community in the span of a week. Right. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's so it's so freaking sad. It, it is like uh, and, and Joomla's too. like God, mental health just comes to mind as well. And, and just like you never know what struggles people are going through. And, and that makes it just even more sad. You know, and 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 I'm sad because like part of what happened is like you know I can't even go back and look like at Joomla's Twitter because Joomla deleted it. Mm. You know, and that that was one of the signs for some people to be like, "Hey, something's wrong." And now you can't even like there's some of those memories right that you can't even go and like look at, and and, and uh, it sucks. It really sucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been. On that front, it's been really, it's been a rough week in the Overwatch community, I would say. Uh, it's been a lot. It's been a, like between both Dan and Juma's passing, there's been a lot of stuff to think about. Um, yeah, we just, I think whenever something like this happens, we just always reiterate like, reach out to those people that you're close to. Um, and I, I don't really know what to say, what more than that. I mean, I mean, it's so hard to know because like, as somebody's gone through some of these experiences, like sometimes you just nothing can seem wrong, mm-hmm. you know, and and then it's too late and then it's too late. Um, there can be no hits sometimes. Uh, sometimes people are very good at hiding it. So you can't always know, but you can always be there for somebody in the best way that you can. I mean, it's not always going to be enough because sometimes, like I said, you just it'll be too late. You just won't find out. You won't know the inner struggles that someone's going through until until the unfortunate end. Mm. So it's it's one of those things where appreciate appreciate the people in your life that matter to you and and let them know, I think, is the most important thing. Yes, sir. Um, And you're one of those people, by the way, I appreciate every day that I get to hang out and, and do Overwatch stuff with you. I enjoy, you know, being goofy when we play games and shouting at you uh, because it's, you know, I know I know, you know, that I don't ever do it in, in actual seriousness, but it, it, it's fun to, to mess. So I appreciate you, bud. Thank you. And same for me to you. Um, let's do, We'll do a quick recap of. um the last week of kickoff clash qualifiers um pretty busy week across the board uh thursday Seoul dynasty 3-0 over philadelphia fusion um hangzhou spark 3-1 over chengdu hunters shanghai dragons 3-2 over guangzhou charge um philly kind of goes comes in from having a pretty like stellar week last week and having a really rough week this week um across the board (laughs) um this is a tougher schedule week, though, for them, too, I think is worth noting, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like you know, Seoul is at the top of the East right now, and, and then they play Spark at the end of the week, um, who is also at the top. So, so you had very much more stiff competition, um, you know, and you didn't have Shanghai still, like, uh, nursing their hangover. Right, you d- you didn't get to play Shanghai nursing their hangover from last year, so so that makes a little bit of a difference too. Um, but I I also felt like Philly like 
it felt like Seoul knew exactly what to do on every map, and Philly was still kind of like thinking about like how to do things a week ago. Um, that that that's one of the feelings that I got at least watching that because I forget what map it was, but they were like Seoul was doing like the tracer and the soldier, and then Philly was doing I think the Genji, and I forget what else they were doing, but like it it just felt like a little bit of comp mismatch on maps. Like not that the Genji can't work. It was just the maps they were doing it on did not seem like the maps that you would uh, like the the soldier and the and the reaper, the soldier and the tracer just seemed stronger mm-hmm. on the maps that they were doing the the soldier Genji stuff. Um, it, like I said, not that those things can't work because they can. If you watch any of the other games, you'll see where those maps are. But there are specific maps like Gibraltar and stuff like that where it seems to work better than other maps so i i think that was just a little bit of a problem of phillies in the beginning at least for this specific game against seoul on friday uh chengdu hunters 3-1 over philadelphia fusion seoul dynasty 3-0 over guangzhou charge shanghai dragons 3-2 over the la valiant um shanghai still seems really interesting to me in that like they haven't been like super dominant wins necessarily they've been playing pretty well um I think that for one, we've seen a lot more who are you on the Genji who's looked really good. Uh, he's looked really like whenever we've seen him in, he's looked really strong across One of the, the best board. Genji. Yeah. Honestly, like it's, there's a tendency on my end to assume that there's like kind of a dropping from Shanghai where it might even just be that across the board. APAC has looked pretty much the, like the floor for APAC has risen a little bit. I think. Yeah. You, you don't have the LA Valiant of last year. It's at the bottom of your league. Um, and I feel like for, for both the charge and the Valiant, they're like a play here and a play there away from really being in the mix for this first tournament. So they're, they're, it's not easy this time. But even if you think about it, like there was dominance from Shanghai last year, even against the, the second place teams and stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there were times where Chengdu just couldn't even hang with Shanghai. And I think right now, I think it's still partially an adjustment, but I think it's still sort of, um, you know, coming out of it from winning a championship, you know, very historic championship for Shanghai that mattered a lot. Different game in a lot of senses, Um, but they seem to be to be navigating it well. And if anything, they're learning to win when they're playing bad. You know what I mean? Like. How many times did you see Shanghai get into situations where they had to to three two to win? You know, come from behind, reverse sweep a team, or do anything like that. They were so dominant last year. Like we're seeing, we're seeing them ascend in a different way than we did last year, and it's actually more impressive to me in a lot of ways because if you're able to fight through this sort of adversity this early on, and with the the ceiling that Shanghai has by the end of the year, they can be a very scary team. I think so. Um, covering a couple more. Oh yeah, there was there was just APAC. No, there, I'm sorry. I'm for wrong. the first two days. Yeah, or like first yeah. two. Well, first two days because APAC starts before. It, it was really weird. It was really it kind of felt weird a little bit. So I know what you mean. Alrighty. So, excuse me. L.A. Gladiators three one over the London Spitfire. Toronto Defiant three one over New York. San Francisco Shock three one over Vancouver. Um, pretty solid days across the board. This London game with the Glads is a little bit, just a little bit more competitive than 3-1, I think, would lead you to believe. London's looked pretty decent across this whole weekend. Um, this kind of, and it, it, it's really cool to watch a team really just figure out what their specific strengths are, um, what their specific comp strengths are, and just lean into it all the way, mm-hmm. even in situations where it may not be advantageous for them. Um, they play the Rhine May rush comp every time and they've been looking pretty solid with it. Yeah, they're going to die. They're going to live by that hill and they're going to die on that hill. And London is doing something that we've wanted to see other teams do, right? Like they're playing to their strengths, right? They're sort of doing what we saw Dallas do last year at a a lot of the time. Um, they, they have found something that works for them and they're going to make teams either learn to adapt to it or die because mm-hmm. that's what you have to do in this league. You cannot run, you know, the dive comp that everybody else is if you can't run it as well as them. And London at least has 
this is something that you have to appreciate of what London is doing. All right. Talent wise, we've already said before the year started and, and we've continued to see that that's a, a fact that they don't have the talent of other teams, right? Not that they have bad players, but the talent level seems to be higher in other teams. But London is very good at doing certain things and they are going to do those things and make people either beat them, learn it, do the same thing or find a better counter to it. And that's beautiful. Like that's that's one of the ways that you have to be able to adapt as a team if you can't do what everybody else is doing, right? Like how does, you know, I, I use the NFL as this sort of example. Um, you know, why did the shotgun become so popular in the NFL? Because they found out, oh, throwing the ball one is better, but also if we spread out, if we spread the field, it makes it a lot easier to get wide receivers open, do th- different things like that, right? Like the spread became popular because of stuff like that. Um you're seeing the same thing finally happen in Overwatch League. You're not having teams be so afraid of not doing whatever is meta that they just only do the meta comp. And that is that is to me the most refreshing thing to see that we've had happen at least this year where teams who are near the bottom or at the bottom are saying, screw it, we're going to do what works for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, it works out pretty well for them, I think, in the next game. Um, but yeah, Toronto 3-1 over New York, still solid. Um, San Francisco, 3-1 over Vancouver. Um, it can kind of get lost in the mix a little bit, but proper is just so freaking good. Like it's. I feel like this year, I don't know if you feel this way as well, and I think it's in part because of how the game has changed and now DPS can kind of pop off in the way they can. It feels like this year, Rookie of the Year is going to be a DPS player. Um, probably MVP as well. Probably. But at least that's, that's the initial feeling that I have um, because it's so... So easy to see now when DPS are doing extremely well. It's always been a little bit easier to see DPS, but I think more so now with one less tank. I think so. I mean, there's a, I, I, there's almost a bias always to like a, be kind of award those those awards to other kinds of players. I think because everyone assumes that DPS always gets it, but when you look across the board, it really hasn't always been that way. Yeah, we, we've had a couple of supports get it. Um, like the, but still, like like DPS definitely is like. You know, you're just skilled position player. They they do shine more because, you know, generally it's them getting the the last hit on an enemy. Um, moving on to Saturday games, uh, Hangzhou Spark three over Guangzhou Charge, Shanghai Dragons three one over Chengdu Hunters, Philadelphia Fusion three one over LA Valiant. Um, Hangzhou look really good this whole weekend. Um, mm-hmm. Alpha Yi is a freak who. Who knew, except for everybody who assumed he would be going into the season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anybody who saw him play knew. Um, rookie of the year candidate for me at this point. Obviously, it's still early, but like he's definitely one of the guys that is on my short list. Develop on the other side, even though the charge aren't winning. He's another guy that I've been paying attention to because he does some really good things. Yeah. Um, North American games for Saturday. Uh, London Spitfire 3-2 over the Atlanta Reign. Uh, Houston Outlaws 3-2 over the Paris Eternal. Florida Mayhem 3-1 over the Washington Justice. Uh, this London-Atlanta game is really interesting. Um, there was a tweet that came out uh, like a little bit earlier with Gator challenging them to the, the quote, honorable Ryan Mir battle, which um, London won pretty effectively. Uh, you saw, I think there's just the combination of, of Hot, like the way Hottie plays Ryan so aggressively, combined with how Backbone is so good as far as isolating people with the Maywall, um, they have so many more opportunities they can pick off individual people. And it's not like they did exclusively the Ryan comp, though, either, right? Like London was playing other things as well. Like they, they're they're still giving other things a shot, but they're playing that Ryan comp when they feel like it makes sense. But you're right; they they do work so well together as a team to to make that composition work like it's definitely where they feel most comfortable um i think the biggest problem that they're running into is that it, it's not one of those comps that they can make work on every map it's hard to make it work on some of the more like open maps and like some of the like like stuff like control can make it a little bit harder and stuff like that um that seems to be the the biggest hurdle for them now is is can they make it work on some of those maps or maybe it, it shouldn't? Um, and I'd be curious to see if they actually give a shot 
give it a shot and and try to do that. Um, but then again, like they're doing so well, uh, maybe you don't have to worry about it too much. Maybe, maybe, maybe you can still make it work on enough maps where it's not too big of a deal, but also like the one thing I don't understand from Atlanta is like, they've seemed very dead set still on doing, um, uh, like a lot of doom fist, like still a lot of doom fist from Atlanta. And we're seeing teams that did be a little bit more heavy with doom fist kind of go away from that. So I, I'm really curious to, to see if that sort of game plan starts to change. Like we're seeing a lot more Zarya, which I kind of want to see more of, of Hawk doing, cause I think Hawk's a good Zarya. So mm-hmm. there's just some stuff like that, that I want to see if, if Atlanta maybe pivots away from the, the doom a little bit more, not that they did it like the entire game or anything, but still like maybe a little less of it still. Also credit where credit is due. Um, I haven't always seen a lot of Sparker. Um, like I just haven't noticed as much of like crazy strong play, but like between him and Backbone, like the Sparker soldier has just been super, super consistent. You get lots of value out of his ultimates. Um, Backbone's getting like a ton of these right click headshots at the same time as well. Um, credit to Christopher. DPS, yeah. Mm-hmm. Credit to Christopher for I think really just figuring like like we talked about figuring out what is your strength. Okay, how do we utilize our strength across as many situations as possible? Yeah, and and it still might might not garner much for them, um, but it does make it it does make them a scary out any time that they're on your schedule, right? Mm-hmm. So so I'm really curious to see you know how far London can take these things. Yeah, they just barely they missed out on kickoff clash by just one map. I think they had to three one or three out Atlanta to make it. So yeah, and they weren't going to do. You know, I didn't expect them to do that. To be honest, like even uh, it, it just couldn't happen. Houston reverse sweeps Paris. Um, as a, it's always like this, man. It's always freaking like this. Um, which so doesn't give me great feelings going forward. Oh. That was the other thing too. After the London game, I know Hottie's going out there on in the interview. I think talking about how like Atlanta Rain had like blacklisted them from scrims at some point. Did you see any of that? No, I didn't. So like there was he either in the post game interview or either in the post game interview or in the um I guess in a tweet afterwards he had said something like. He made a joke along the lines of like, well, yeah, like, and this is what happens for like them. What's well, like, this is what happened, like, whatever they blacklisted us and this is what they get. And everyone was like, oh, well, like, what does this mean? Uh, a bunch of people were throwing shade over at uh, Brad and the rest of the Atlanta Rain coaching staff. For what it sounded like, there's it's some sort of thing where like the way skirm blocks work is that it's typically around like three teams almost. Yeah. Is it? It feels like it's one of those things where it's like London's at the bottom of the league, at least like like from an outsider perspective, not knowing what what was fully said, because um, I didn't listen to that interview. Um, of course, one of the interviews I don't listen to. That's what happens. Uh, I, You know, when you're one of the teams at the bottom. Teams become less um, excited to scrim you, right? There's less scrim opportunities for you. Stuff like that happens like that's nothing new as far as I know. Um, and then if you play a different style than what everybody else is playing, that makes it even more likely that teams are going to not want to scrim with you. At least mm-hmm. that's from what I've heard in the past. Well, and so it was to say, yeah, they, they're they running a comp that like a lot of teams don't necessarily want to scrim against because they feel like they're not going to see it very many places. Um, and then a lot of the... <laughs> I think after running that comp against them, Atlanta, it sounds like Atlanta said we don't like opted to not scrim anymore with London. And I think because they don't want to scrim, they didn't have another partner with them. Then it made it hard for them to get scrims. Um, Brad, of course, going out here talking about like wa- watching the watch the fans in the league run with this brain dead blacklist narrative, even though it never actually happened. I guess if we win tomorrow, we'll get up on stream and talk about how guys blacklisted us the last few weeks. Ha ha ha. Um. And it was interesting because you had both Reinforce and Uber both saying like, well, look, if like we're just reiterating what we've been told, if you have if this didn't happen like it like they're saying it does or you have a different perspective, it's up to you to change the narrative here at this point. Like if it's a if there is a misunderstanding here, like then maybe either you should clear it up with London 
or like you need to put out there what actually is happening if you're frustrated if you're not like where we are reacting based on what we are being told yeah but then and this is the, clear and this is clearly what they feel like because of the situation but then there's the they said this and then we say that right um and then it's like okay whose word do you believe you know that's all you get into um it's one of those things you're damned if you do you're damned if you don't if you're atlanta because like there's going to be plenty of people who don't believe you you know and the people who are going to believe you are probably people who already think that london's lying you know what i mean so mm. i i understand the the want to not um like respond to something like that you kind of have to but you also kind of don't i don't know it, it it's hard to to say what's the right thing um people have preconceived notions already of of certain players and certain people and and even if you you come out with what your version of the truth or what the truth is and people are still going to have those preconceived notions and either disbelieve what you're saying or believe it so i think it's not an easy situation and i'm not a fan of like you know being like oh well why didn't you guys say anything from you know like like just just there's no need for extra comments on that from people who are you know your job is to um be an impartial um entity right like i'm not a fan of of somebody in uber and and reinforces position being like well we're just saying what we're told blah 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 this and that like why do you have to defend yourselves too right like you've already said that this is what you were told you so Uber's response was Uber wasn't even necessarily pushing it that way. Uber just said, feel free to take control of the narrative and or help enlighten folks. You can even just refute it without being vitriolic if that's more your speed. Because like I, I there is Brad does kind of have we talked about like assumptions from people. Brad kind of has a personality that comes off in a way where he can be a little bit more. I mean, vitriolic might be a little bit more of a word than I think is worth putting into it. But like, again, that, that he can be snappy about stuff like that. He'd be snappy, but but like, how is he supposed to feel when like to him, what's happening is people are lying about what his team has done, right? Like, is he supposed to be just like happy go lucky about it, right? Like, like what is what is the appropriate response for him to have, right? Like, even if he goes, no, that's not true. People are like, oh, well, you obviously really don't care. You didn't, you know, you didn't even really stand up for your guys. You just said it wasn't true. Well, you know what I mean? Like, you can't ever do the right thing. You know, well, and I think part of I think and again, you're you're not I'm not saying this justifies this and I'm not saying you're going to agree with me here. But I think where part of that comes from is Atlanta has kind of sort of a personality with that team where they will do stuff necessarily. We're like, how would I put it? They are more than comfortable playing the villain occasionally. And that's fine. That's definitely that's, that's not a bad thing. But like you can even talk about like the team does plenty of things either to talk like to trash talk people or to try and like portray themselves in a certain way where I like it makes sense when people like it's not a surprising reaction for people to be like super for people to want to root against them and to jump on them whenever anything happens, which I mean, just say you hate them. You know what I mean? If you're one of those people, right? Like just, I, I don't know. It, it, it's all stupid. It's all really dumb. And like, it makes it more interesting that they do play like, they don't play the villain because they are villains, right? They play the villain because it's, you know, makes things more interesting, you know, and their personalities are, are personalities that clash with other people's. So I, I, I don't know. It's, it's all just weird to me. Um, I, I'm just not a fan of how certain things go. And um, like nobody, nobody in this situation is bad, right? So why is this happening? You know, just because somebody's personality grinds on you a little bit more doesn't mean that, like, they're the worst. Um, wrapping up the Sunday games, Shanghai Dynasty, yeah, Shanghai Dragons 3-1 over Seoul Dynasty. LA Valiant 3-1 over the Chengdu Hunters. Hangzhou Spark 3-2 over Philadelphia Fusion. And then Dallas Fuel 3-0 over Boston Uprising. LA Gladiators 3-0 over Atlanta Rain. Um, for somebody did the map it's math it's been a year and a half i know not even a year and a half this is dia so valiant winning 3-1 on sunday this is dia's first win ever in the overwatch league um really kind of an emotional moment for the guy 
Um, a lot of people were very, very, very excited for him to finally get it. Of Even course. with like the super choppy video connection to him, you could still see him like celeb- like just ce- like celebrating so hard after finally getting the win. He tweet he tweeted out uh, nine hours ago. Already the second day, but still feels unreal. Six hundred sixteen hundred and thirty four days passed, and I can truly enjoy these matches. The victory is not mine alone. Belongs to many people. Thanks to my teammates and coaches. Thanks to those who cheered for me. I want to win more for you guys. Smiley face. And um, he's got a picture from Charlie Brown of um, what's Charlie Brown's sister's name? I always forget her name. Uh, Lucy. Is it Lucy? No, Sally. Sally's the blonde one. Lucy's the black hair one. Lucy's Lucy's the one who always pulls the football away. Um, And it's a picture of Sally looking out a window and it's like snowing or something. And it says dreams do come true. I don't know. This is just you know, cute little tweet from Dia. Um, I I I don't think there's um, any hiding of the fact how big of a fan uh, I've been of Dia for a very <laughs> long time. Um, it's awesome to finally see him. You know, one win is just like the first goal, right? Like not, now, it's continuing to stack wins on, and from what we've seen from London so far. Like there's real potential for them to be a very competitive team and maybe make it into some of these tournaments. So I'm so happy that he finally broke through and, and I hope that he continues to do so and that that he continues to build on this and that the Valiant themselves do because there's a lot of players that I do like on the Valiant. I mean, aside from I think only one game so far, they've been pretty They've been pretty competitive across all their games. I think every single every single game except for one's been like three two. Yeah, they've been like three twos, three ones, like close three ones. Um, I don't think they've been three would it yet at all. Um, but the, even like one that's like a three one or something, the maps are still usually very competitive. So it, it seems like they're getting closer with every game, you know. Um, I think they have a better I think they are now technically above the charge as far as standings, if I remember right, because of the the map differential. Um, not that, that that it matters to move up one place, but it shows you like that's how much better their games have been than, than some of the games the charge have been in. So um, and, and they're only one win. So 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 they're, right now they're like two wins behind getting to a cutoff position with Philly um, mm. and then map differential. Uh, they're only one behind Chengdu. They're 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 six behind Philly, but Philly has also won two more games, right? So that's just naturally how it's going to be when you win that many more games. Um, so there there is potential for them to um, get into a end of season playoff spot, but like you know mid season madness sort of a thing. Like they they you know depending on how the meta changes up with whatever changes, like uh, you know London is a team you cannot sleep on. So it, it, it makes me excited. Um, this is so much better than what we had last year from London or Los Angeles, excuse me, but better from London too, technically. So like I wasn't wrong. <laughs> and then uh, wrapping up some the last two Dallas strong three zero, um, Glad's strong three zero over Atlanta. Um, Atlanta, like I think we're really we've seen I think the limitations of the Doomfist comp at this point, where like so if. I think it's pretty clear now that like you have to be so perfect with your engages because once you're in, you have you have to capitalize or else like your doomfist is a sitting duck. Well, it's, it's almost a free kill. It's interesting too because like you kind of saw like the gladiator sort of answer for what they were doing was the do a Reinhardt, right? Like do a Baptiste, like make make things super, super hard on, on, on Hawk to be able to get value. So I wonder, like, this is where, like, I want to see how Atlanta responds to how teams are now playing them in this composition. Like, what is it? What is your change moving forward? Because something has to change. I think they're too talented of a team to be losing like this, but I don't think it's a, a talent difference that is mm. causing their losses to happen like this. No, it looks like either a mentality or maybe even a coaching difference. Like there's just something is not clicking the way that it needs to be. It might not even be a coaching difference. It might be, um, I guess you could say coaching difference, but like, you know, maybe it's a um, not not resistance to change, but like um, maybe too much faith in what you're doing, right? 
like sometimes even good coaches will be overconfident in something um, that that you think works so well, but then it turns out in game it just doesn't. Right. Mm -hmm. So it could be something like that, too, because like how bad of coaching can we say that Atlanta really has when they got to the championship last year? Right. Like you don't get there by accident. That was Overwatch one, though. That was Overwatch one, though. But coaching that, is that not, was Overwatch one, though, Chris. Uh, OK, but we're talking about coaching, though, right? We're not talking about different players transitioning from one game to the next. Right. Nah, where where your skill set changes. Right. <laughs> That's completely different. OK, don't try and use my own arguments against me. I see what you're doing. I see what yeah. you're doing. But you I know mean, what I mean, we'll see what happens. I think we'll have a pretty good diagnosis after this next week of kick of kickoff clash tournament mm-hmm. action. Yeah. Um. Because right now, I think like it's Atlanta definitely look, I would say for me, I'm not ready to full on sound the alarm yet, but like there is a little bit of anxiety with that team. Yeah, it's it's definitely one where you're like, why is this happening? You're too good to do this. But like this is this is like the Atlanta cycle that we saw happen last year, too. Right. Like there there was like a little bit of part where you're like, what what is going on here? What's going on with you guys? And then it was like, oh, okay, they're fine. You know, whatever. Um, I'm I'm not I don't think you sound the alarm bells yet. Uh maybe you're getting a little bit close to that, but I think you're still pretty far off from that. Uh like is do you still th- do you think like Houston and Toronto and Florida are better than them? Um Florida might be getting there. We'll see after this week. Yeah. Florida's the only one where you really have the question, right? Like you still like Houston, you're still like Houston still feels like Houston, right? That's that's the scare with Houston. Um, Toronto just doesn't feel that way, um, even though Toronto's had a good run here, but they can't even compete with somebody like Dallas. You know, um, God, I'm excited to see how this goes. Uh, I, I, the West, the West for the teams that are in, I think things are very interesting. Last week's going to matter a lot, so we could have some good games. I, I'm excited. I'm looking ahead at kickoff clash next week. Um, round one still set up. Um, it'll be round one on June 2nd, round two on June 3rd, losers round two, and I think semis on June 4th, and then losers round four, and then the tournament finals on June 5th. Um, we got Washington Justice versus San Francisco Shock, Atlanta Rain versus Florida Mayhem, Houston Outlaws versus LA Gladiators, Toronto Defiant, Dallas Fuel. Um, Giving kind of like just a basic, I guess, approach to it. I'm feeling pretty confident about like a Dallas and uh, I am still pretty confident for Dallas Glads or no, maybe I think maybe more so Dallas versus shock. I think for a tournament finals at this point, Dallas looks like they're really kind of putting it together. Um, I've really kind of put themselves in gear after kind of a rocky start for the first week. San Francisco looks really solid and they've looked really consistent across everything. Every other team has had like some points where like I'm a little bit has shown some vulnerabilities across other situations, you know? Yeah, I, I agree. Um, you know, I, I, I almost forget that we've got this being double elimination too, mm-hmm. right? Like, like that does change things a little bit here. Um, so just something to remember because it's different than how we did things last year. Um, I, I feel very confident in Dallas making it to winner's finals in San Francisco. Like, like it does feel like it's Dallas versus San Francisco for the winner's finals. Um, you know, maybe Gladiators can throw a wrench into there. Um, they did play Dallas really tough before they, they got reversed swept, right? Um, those are the teams that you look at. For your Houston Outlaws boys, I think that helps that they get a second, you know, they get two games. Before they have to go out, I'm not saying they're going to go out in two games, but you know what I mean? Like, I feel like Houston's always one of those teams where you're like, man, I wish we got to see them with one more game. Maybe they could have gotten things to click and make a run. So Mm -hmm. I'm curious to see if that happens for Houston. Um, I think they get a tough draw at the beginning. I think San Francisco has the toughest draw other than Florida, but Florida naturally is going to because of their positioning. Um, So I think Florida Atlanta is like, especially if Atlanta figures some things out or next week for the start. Um, that could be very interesting. And I think just, you know, Washington justice is such a crapshoot. So, uh, you know, shock, you might be number one, 
But would you have been happier as a number two seed? Probably. Yeah, I have. We talked about this last week. I have zero faith in the Washington Justice at this point. They could be great. <laughs> I'm not predicting it. They could be horrible, and I will still feel vindicated. Exactly. Um, a crapshoot. <laughs> it's interesting. Toronto still has played really well, but like, I'm not like crazy confident about this team quite yet. I mean, Twilight, Shorong, we know, incredible DP, uh, support line. DPS has looked pretty good. Um, Hisu more so, I think, than although or Fernali. Um, although mm-hmm. has looked a little bit rough in some spots, but I don't know. I I feel like this. I still like don't know if we've seen this team. Like it feels like they're still doing gatekeeper stuff. You know, like they beat lower teams and they lose against higher teams. This tournament will be a good first um, first test for them. Where now that they only have to play the teams at the top, right? Are you the gatekeeper or 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 are you the gate for the the top teams? I guess right. We'll see. Uh, see. Yeah. Alrighty. Um. Taking a quick look at the East tournament as well. We got Philadelphia Fusion versus Hangzhou Spark on June 3rd. Seoul Dynasty versus Shanghai Dragons. Um, if I had to call it right now, I think it's going to be Hangzhou versus Shanghai. Seoul, I think, who knows? Seoul, if, they want, if, they're, if they're in the correct form, could definitely take it to the finals. Uh, Hangzhou has just looked more consistently strong across everything. Yeah, right now, Hangzhou is the team to beat for sure. I agree. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, um, I will say, though, Shanghai and Seoul are the only two teams that like Philly. I don't know. Like Philly felt so good week one. Right. And mm-hmm. then now it's like, I, I don't know what to expect. I don't know. They're not playing to the level that I thought that they were going to be playing at. Um, they've been they've been playing comps a little bit differently than other teams, too. Like the, their approach seems to be a little bit different. But Shanghai, Seoul. um, I want to say Shanghai, but again, like Seoul, I, I don't know. Like Seoul plays so well sometimes. It's hard. That 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 is the maybe the most difficult game out of any of these first rounders that is going to be the most difficult to predict in my mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. We'll talk about it next week, though, with our recap episode. Um, we'll have tournament results for both ends. Before we wrap up for today, a um, couple quick um, ABK pieces of news. Um, we did get confirmation that uh, Raven Software won their union election um, with 19 votes yes versus three votes no. Um, it's one of the first big, like, it's one of the first gaming unions at, like, a major company in the United States. So this yeah. is a result of, like, what? They're saying, like, I feel like they say it began in December. I feel like it was even earlier than that. Like, this is something that has been months and months in the making. Was it? It might have been November, but I think like December because that's no, it was December because wasn't it around like Christmas when like the news came through of like Raven Software employees being let go and it was like right at Christmas and people were like really mad, right? I think it was right around Christmas time. I, I think so. So I, I, I think that sounds right. The December timeline, um, it feels longer, though, I guess. Right. I think that's maybe an accurate statement. Um, but. You have to feel good for them that 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 it wasn't it wasn't just like a win. It was a a um, a heavy resounding win, I guess would be a good t- way to call it. You know, like the vote was so heavily in favor of it coming through. Um, you even have Phil Spencer coming out publicly and saying that he is in full support of the the union and everything as well, which I think is really good on his part to say that, right? Because you're going to have to work with them when the merger fully comes through. So obviously you want to try and, and have uh, – you don't want to start off when you do have to negotiate with that union. You don't want to start off being like, oh, so what you re- – so you really – this is what you thought about us? Like – you know what I mean? So so it's nice to see Phil say something publicly like that um, about the union. Uh, it's a big win. It's a big win for now these other companies to potentially move forward and do the same thing. And I was thinking about it. You know, unions and gaming seem like something that can really work because like how often are you crossing over to like what other departments do, right? Mm-hmm. All the time. Well, no, you're not. That's the point. Like, if, if you're QA, how often are you doing other things that QA doesn't do? Huh. Not that often, I, right? So, like, because, like, one of the, in certain workplaces, like, unions can't work as well because, like, 
if I'm doing this job, I'm also doing this job sometimes. You know what I mean? Like, I think it works better in gaming than it does in other um, careers, I guess, or or uh, not careers, uh, other businesses. I get you. It'll be um, it's a major thing, I think. I, it was you saw arguments as well from like the, from how they were trying to bust the, the union as well, or for how they were trying to put in the anti-union messaging of like, do we really want this small level of employees like making a decision that affects the whole of the company? Where like, of course, that messaging is disingenuous because like, of, like we're talking about these sorts of decisions of, are going to mainly affect this team. Yeah, but the, there is there is potential for depending on how it goes for it to affect a wider number. Exactly. And and that's the point of why they create the union, right? Um now now other positions within the company can, you know, sort of use this as a stepping stone for what they want to do with a union potentially. Um to see, you know, okay, this is how it can work and how it can safeguard things for me as an employer, an employee, mm-hmm. excuse me. Um so I I'm it was, you know, it figures too. like this dropped as well, like literally the day after we do our podcast. Right. Of course. Of course. You know, we're like, oh, we don't have much to do this week, blah, 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 this and that. And then the vote happens. And then it's like, oh, oh, there's a ton of news, actually. One more piece actually to cover. Um, Activision Blizzard workers have formed an anti-discrimination committee uh, aimed at combating sex and gender discrimination at the company. Um, this came from uh, the Washington Post and CWA Union. Um, I think, and the main part of this as well is them pretty much saying, look, if they're not going to keep themselves accountable for these things that they're saying that they're going to do, if Blizzard isn't going to keep themselves, then we are going to keep them accountable. And, and, you know, the, the, this committee has raised demands from the company, right? Like, it's not like this, they just make a committee and that's it, right? Like the point of the committee is you're trying to get something out of the company to do something. This is, this is another form of, um. This is unionizing in a different sort of way, right? Like you're not you're not creating a union, but you're creating a collective group to demand things that already should be there anyways. But you're 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 using your power as a group of individuals at a company to put pressure on said company. Mm-hmm. And, and there's already been tweets too from a, a better ABK that. Um, some of the things that they want are starting to be implemented. Um, you know, so that's nice to see that steps are being taken and, and, you know, you even have, um, I don't know if Emily, I think Emily, uh, Neef, I think is how you say the, the last name. Um, she was the one, one of the, I want to make sure I'm using great pronouns here. Uh, yep. Yeah, she, thank you. I was right. Um, she's already said too that, um, She's been reached out to by several people and actions kind of already underway. Right. And I believe Emily is one of like the people part of this group. So it's cool to see from somebody who is currently an employee at Activision Blizzard kind of say, hey, we're starting to make some waves here. Mm -hmm. Slowly but surely. We'll keep an update. We'll keep you updated on it as it happens. But that's going to do it for episode 135 of Push the Point. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for being a part of it. If you want to help us out, best thing you can do is leave us a review on iTunes or Spotify so we can know what you like about the show, what we can always make better. Uh, if you want to support the podcast network with Mash Those Buttons, where is the best place to go, Labasco? Well, come join us on Discord, discard.me slash mash those buttons. You'll get to keep up to date on your favorite shows from the network, which there's a bunch of really good ones that aren't us. I, I mean, we're not too bad ourselves. Um, you're going to hear about a few of those right after we're done too. So stick around to hear about those patreon.com slash mash those buttons to support the network directly little as a dollar a month. You get access to cool Patreon exclusive content. Um, I haven't looked at the Patreon in a while, but I think that they've kind of implemented some of those chains changes that they've been maybe looking to do. I don't know if they had yet. Um, they're starting to get there. Uh, but basically, like you can literally pick uh, some of the shows that are currently part. Um, there's different tiers um, and, and uh, sort of get different roles based on what tier you have picked. So uh, some cool changes over there. If you haven't looked at it yet, look at the Patreon, um, do that. Uh, and, you know, you're kind of supporting the shows a little bit more directly that way. If you kind of do that as well at pushpoint pod, though, if you want to 
follow us on Twitter, see what's going on with the show and everything like that. Push the point at gmail.com to email us. Yes, sir. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow us, like we said, at pushpointpod. If you want to follow Labosco, he's at Labosco. If you want to follow me, I am at Ramsey's underscore OW. And that's going to be it, I think, for episode 135. Anything else? No, it's, um, I don't know. We we had, it sucks because like there's some really sad news this week. And then there was also some like really good news on the a better ABK front. So it sucks when you have weeks like that where you just want the good news, right? You don't want bad things happening. You don't want to lose people who are super important and nice and great. Um, it's a tough week, but but there there is some sort of silver lining, I guess, with things starting to push in the right direction as far as Blizzard as a company. So hopefully those trends continue. Hope so. We'll keep you updated on it. And that's going to be it for this episode. We'll see you guys next week. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to a Mash Those Buttons production. If you enjoyed the show, you should check out MashThoseButtons.com and see if any of our other shows might interest you. All of our shows are available on your podcast platform of choice like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. If you enjoy our content, you can help support Mash Those Buttons by becoming a patron at Patreon.com slash MashThoseButtons, where you can receive Patreon bonuses for as little as $1 a month. You can connect with Mash Those Buttons at Twitter.com slash The Mash Network, Facebook.com slash Mash Those Buttons, or join our Discord at mash.gg slash Discord. 